You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank. And welcome back to The Recovered Life Show. Today, we're talking about holiday self-care for those in recovery. My guest today is Andy Martinez, a mental health therapist. Andy specializes in working with people who are experiencing co-occurring disorders, addiction, and mental health issues. Welcome to the show, Andy. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Dana. So great to have you. Hey, we're in the holiday season. Hard to believe, but we are here again. It seems like I just blinked my eyes and we're back to that whole holiday season again. A lot of people in recovery, Andy, are stressing out. It is a really stressful time for anyone, whether you're in recovery or not. So glad that you could join us today to give us some kind of mental health tips about how to do self-care in during the holiday season if you're in recovery. Andy, let's jump right into it. Why is self-care important, not only for people who are outside of the recovery sphere, but people that are in recovery especially? What? Why is self-care even important? Self-care is such a huge piece of just overall wellness. Um, And I think not just during the holidays, but year-round. You know, we're seeing more and more every day, especially in America, a lot of the fast-paced culture and, you know, everyone's, you know, trying to reach their dreams and meet their goals. And and so it can be really easy to get caught in the loop of um, works-based behaviors and trying to meet expectations, trying to make everybody happy. And we can often lose sight of ourselves. And then we find ourselves feeling burnt out. We're seeing a lot of that growing in the last 10, 15 years. And so self-care really helps us to find that balance so that we can continue to to do the things that we want to do every day while still feeling like, you know, we're happy, still feeling like we have places to feel peaceful and calm. And so having that self-help, that self-care is really, really um, important. You know, I'd love to talk about obligations because um, I know for a lot of people, and you know, I'm I'm a family guy, I have a family, so th- there's more obligations than there is celebration a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. You know, as you get older, as you go through your life, you become not necessarily the guest as much as the host. Yeah, there's a list of things that you need. You know, I got to get presents. You know, I'm already stressing out about getting the presents and making sure that everything is perfect and that we've got the food in this. Can, can we talk about? you know, obligations that you might have to friends and family and coworkers during the holidays, and then the personal obligations that you have to yourself, how important it is to kind of separate those? Absolutely. Definitely, as we get older and and start to, you know, grow our relationships and to deepen them, and they become more complex. We have romantic partners, we have children, you know, when we if we get married, or have children, our families grow, now we're involving other people. And the holidays can turn into such a a to-do list, right? What have I done? What haven't I done? What needs to get done? Um, And so it can be really hard to to balance the obligations that you have to other people and to your family while keeping track of what are the things that you have to do for yourself, like things like self-care that tend to fall to um, the wayside. And so we find ourselves um, really thinking about how can I, um, you know, show my loved ones that I care about them during this season. And so that value tends to kind of fall away in light of what that looks like. You know, is my house decorated nicely enough? Am I hosting? Have I forgotten anybody um, for, you know, Christmas gifts or presents? Is this an accurate depiction of, 
you know, how much I care about them. And so for friends and family, those obligations can become very overwhelming for a lot of people. Uh, and then we have obligations to ourselves, right? Most of us are still working during the holidays. You know, sometimes we get days off. Some of us don't. If you work at a hospital or you work in a place that's just always open or you know, supermarket, we have to continue our day-to-day lives and meet those needs. And so, you know, those obligations, they, they, they overlap and it can be hard to um, differentiate them. But doing so is, is, is important because we want to, again, have that balance. I'm all about the moderation and making sure that we let people know how much we love and care about them and we can enjoy the holiday spirit and not get lost in the to-do list, but also to check in with ourselves and, and make sure that we're, that we're actually present in the moment and not just thinking about the next thing that we have to do. How do you do that? How do you put the brakes on? Because I've found myself, you know, last this time has moved on in recovery. I've learned, I, you know, probably about five or six years ago into my third decade of recovery, I, I said, you know what? Wait a second. I, I, I need to make sure also that I'm enjoying the holiday season because mm-hmm. a lot of it I started to feel, well, it's all about service, 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 right? Like yes. making sure that everybody has what they need. What are some tools that uh, that you could give people to maybe slow down and put the brakes on a little bit to make sure that you're taking care of yourself and those self needs are being met? Absolutely, absolutely. Taking that that break and slowing down is super uh, important. And you know, you talked about service. That's one of the big things that people find joy and pleasure in in the recovery is giving back and 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 that humility and that selflessness. And it can go overboard. So one of the things that I've talked about with a lot of my clients is having you know, quiet moments, you know, moments when you can check in with yourself throughout the holidays, um, potentially scheduling them in, because we have a lot of back to back events, we have dinner at grandma's, and then we have our our friends Christmas, and then we've got the Christmas party and all of these things back to back. And before you know it, it's been three days since you've taken a breath, and you feel really overwhelmed and and all of this is going on. And so scheduling potentially uh, a quiet, quiet moment, but it can be 15 minutes, it can be an hour, depending on you know, our realistic schedules in our lifetime, um, in our lifestyles, we can have, you know, 30 minutes to an hour where we um, set apart time. And that can be time to just yourself or that can be time with maybe one other person. It doesn't have to be isolation because we also don't want to isolate during the holidays. That can be dangerous in and of itself. But taking time to step back and check in and say, how am I feeling? How have I been doing? Um, Am I finding myself more excited to be doing this stuff or am I finding myself more feeling like this is a list of obligations? Um, and then if you can notice that about yourself, you can either say, I'm doing good, I'm feeling happy, or you can say, all right, I am feeling myself a little drained. Let me just take a couple of breaths. You know, there are lots of um, five to 10 minute meditation videos you can do on YouTube or breathing exercises that you can work through that you can learn and do yourself. Um, some people like to journal. Um, if you decide to do that with someone else, like a spouse or best friend, maybe it's just having a 10, 15 minute chat about how you're doing. So having someone that you can communicate with about what's going on, um, but really scheduling those quiet moments can be super helpful in just getting a recharge. I love that when you say scheduling, because I, you know, I know I find myself getting swept up and then there's always the last minute things. Oh, we have to wrap this gift. We have to go get this. We have to do this. We have to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. So being able to have that in my calendar knowing that it's like, I'm going to take out a couple of minutes because I'm going to do something that I enjoy or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
to, I, I think it's, I think it's really a game changer with the holidays because especially in recovery, like one of the challenges that I found, and I know I went through this in early recovery is you're now going back to the place that you used to drink, right? Yes. You, you like a mm -hmm. lot of times people have moved out of town after they've got, so they're coming back or they're coming mm. back into a dynamic where they were seen as a certain person the party or the person who's going to drink, right. Or whatever mm -hmm. that might be, even the responsible. So like these roles that, that family assigns for you, how do you, you know, I mean, obviously that's going to trigger anyone. How do mm -hmm. you kind of, how do you deescalate possible triggers for relapse for people that are earlier in recovery? That's really not gone through a holiday season before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just want to add on that for a lot of people, it's the other side as well. Individuals who spend a lot of time in jail or away from their families, um, either due to legal issues that came about from substance use or just because they, you know, those relationships fall apart. And now they're starting to be reintegrated. Maybe family has said, all right, we want you to come or they feel able to do that. There can be a lot of, of guilt, shame, you know, triggered memories um, that can come with that. And so as you said, a lot of times families are going to um, continue to have these roles for us, even if we're working on ourselves and we're different people. Um, a lot of times it, it takes a little bit longer or it's a little bit of a different process for family members to kind of get on track with that. And they can still experience their own uh, hurts and their own, you know, uh, triggers and things like that. And so that can definitely escalate that, that risk potential. And so it's super, super important, especially in early recovery, um, to have an accountability system. That is huge. Having somebody either back home that you can um, text or call, let them know, hey, you know, I'm going to spend time with family. Um, you know, you don't have to give them any specifics, you know, but just letting them know there may be moments where I might feel overwhelmed or I might feel triggered or someone might bring something up. You know, can I, you know, send you a text message or can I give you a call and, and, you know, having ideally a couple of different people um, that you can reach out to and let them know, hey, I might be sending you a text to let you know how I'm doing. For a lot of people, just reaching out to someone and texting them, I'm feeling overwhelmed and getting that encouraging. You can do this. You got this. This is just one night um, can be enough to help them to regulate a little bit, to ground themselves again, um, you know, instead of just getting all caught up in the moment. And so that's yeah. one thing is, is having that accountability um, and just getting connected with people um, that you know are going to be supportive and there for you when the people that you have those expectations of being with you, your family, um, when it doesn't come out that way, which which does happen often in early recovery. Yeah, you know what? Um, like, there's always a saying that we say here on the Recovered Life Show is that I've never met an alcoholic that wasn't surrounded by a bunch of codependents, right? They <laughs> they tend to attract each other, right? The you know mm -hmm. addiction and codependency. It's the same. It's a it's just mm -hmm. opposite it's sides of the coin. You know, mm -hmm. the codependents are so addicted at changing the alcoholics, and the alcoholics so addicted to the substance, mm -hmm. and. You know, that seems to really play out during the holidays. And one of the things that I, I, I've noticed with working with people is that um, in early recovery, especially in just witnessing this, is that being able to set these clear boundaries, like you said, have that support group, but kind of know when you're going and when you're leaving in those hot situations where you might feel tempted, you might not really be able to make make it through, right? Like not everybody is ready. Can we talk about that? Because there's guilt. It's like, I see a lot of people that know it's like, hey, look, 
we go to these family friends. You know, I had somebody tell me like, we're, you know, it's always been a big drinking thing. I need to go because my nieces and nephews are there. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, okay, go for 15 minutes. Go with a friend who knows your situation and then leave. Tell them you have to leave. Like go for a Mm -hmm. half an hour, leave. Like yes. have strategies going in. How important is it to have to kind of role play out those strategies, especially if you've never gone through this during the holiday season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of times, especially because people can have that guilt or that shame. Again, they feel like they have to make up for it, and so they feel this um, just exaggerated uh, expectation or responsibility. I got to be there. I got to show up. I got to show them that I'm a different person. And so they're trying to hold that at the same time that they're holding this feeling of, um, I know there's going to be drinking or, you know, now that, um, you know, weed is more legalized in a couple of different States, there may be other kinds of substance use and all that. And so, um, that can be really difficult. And so, you know, I love that you talked about the freedom that people have of being able to walk away, just remembering that, that, you know, I have at every moment, the option to do what is going to be best for my recovery and especially in early recovery, but at all points, knowing that if my recovery isn't first, it's at, it's at risk. Right. And so, um, different things take time to fall into place, you know, restoring family relationships and having a good sense of, um, of who you are and what, what you can do in your recovery lifestyle, that's going to take time. And so as you walk into these situations, if you're in a place where it's possible, having that conversation, um, it doesn't have to be a formal thing, but being able to say, hey, guys, I am so glad to be back. Um, uh, you know, I'm still working on myself. So some t- I might have to step out for a, a moment or two, or I might have to leave early. Um, but I'm excited to spend as much time as I can with you guys. You know, um, just having that talk can really set the tone for people so that that feeling of, oh, no, they're going to wonder why I'm leaving or, or I don't want people to, to you know, feel self-conscious or get upset at me for leaving early. Just setting that standard from the beginning can be super helpful. And remembering that you can always honestly apologize for leaving early the next day, the day after. But having that relapse and that that feeling of I should have just walked away, it, it's it's really usually not not worth it. <laughs> No, it's, it's definitely not. You know, um, I, I I think this really comes down to boundaries issues. You know, Andy, like mm-hmm. one of the things I think is the most hardest for people to do, especially in early recovery or at any time of recovery, is they feel that they're making up for something because mm-hmm. maybe maybe some of the alcoholism or drug addiction played out within family events, right? So now that you're sober for a couple of years, you feel you have to come in and play this role and you feel if I don't live up to people's expectations, expectations, mm-hmm. then, you know, then I'm going to let people down. And, you know, and I've always said, it's better to let people down in that way than to let people down because you drank again. Right. right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think this self-care and boundaries thing, I think you've like really hit on it. You know, how is some of the ways to be able to communicate these boundaries? Because I know like I have, you know, expectations seem to be the big killer. Mm-hmm. If we're going to boil it down, Right expectations like mom's got this expectation grandma's got this the kids have this expectation about how they feel the holidays are going to be how do you communicate those boundaries in a loving way where Mm -hmm. you're not just really pissing people off yeah well the reality is sometimes you're going to piss people off and that's the first thing that you got to remember is that um when we think about boundaries we have to remember that there are 
there are things that we're in control of and there are things that we're not in control of. And so mm-hmm. we cannot control the outcome of, of everything. And that's the very first expectation that people in recovery have is yeah. I'm getting sober. I can fix everything now. I can fix my debt. I can fix my relationships. I can make up for these things. And so then there's this sense of disappointment where we, when we try to set a boundary or communicate in a healthy way and things don't go as planned. And so the first part of that is just knowing that even when I get communication down, my apologies, we left the door open and now we've got some flyers. That's okay. (laughs) So, you know, knowing that setting a boundary, even when you're as kind as you can be and as considerate as you can be, especially for people that are not used to that, they're going to take it personally at times. Um, they're, they, they might feel uh, offended. They might feel like you're adding you know, insult to injury. Um, and so remembering in your head that I am only in control of what I can do. And I am responsible for um, being kind, for being clear, um, for never you know, being rude, for not, not assuming things. Um, and so being assertive in your communication in terms of this is what I would like, this is what's within my control. And if these things are outside of my control, these are my thoughts on what I'm going to do about it. That's usually a kind of a pretty good uh, formula for being kind without being passive or without being aggressive. So, you know, say, you know, I, you know, like I said earlier, like I, I love being here. I'm excited to be here. Um, but grandma, I'm going to probably leave right after dinner because people start, you know, up with the drinking and you, you know, I'm trying to, away from them i'm not in a space yet where i can do that um we can take some pictures during dinner before dinner um or i can you know stay around for five minutes to give hugs you know but or i can come back when it's time to open presents or whatever that looks like um but i'm gonna step away for these 30 minutes um and if you know grandma or mom or whoever is like well come on you'll be fine um you know just stating again the initial thing just kind of staying on that same thing so you're not saying well you don't understand or you don't get it just staying with the, I hear what you're saying. You really want me to be here. Um, I hope that in the future, I'll be able to do that right now. That's just not within my, my comfort zone, not within my control. Um, and, you know, we can talk about this a different day, but that's where I stand. And usually after the first couple of times, they'll be like, all right, okay. All right. Um, and so just the important thing is just staying in your lane in terms of what you're, what you're saying, what you're communicating and not reverting to, um, blame or using you statements like you don't get it or you don't understand or what do you mean you don't you know because then it turns into a fight and uh, we don't want that to happen we're just trying to establish our boundaries you know what I, I I love that where you're talking about you statements and I think I think a lot of the problems with people in recovery and, and I I've, I've worked with a lot of guys you know the 20 and 30 something guys and once you get sober, you're like, okay, I'm going to make up for lost time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I'm like all about, hey, play full out. That's what the whole recovered life thing is about for me. You know, it's like live your best recovered life that you can. But mm-hmm. really, when it comes to recovery, you know, I think it's much better. Slow recovery is much better that nothing good happens fast in recovery, I found, you mm-hmm. know, Um it nothing good happens fast. It's a slow variety is way better than yes. fast variety because That's fast great. variety burns itself out. And, yes. And it and it, you know, not the idea that things don't have to be perfect and that you're okay with it, especially in the holidays. And I found that that was for me, is that I found it's like, you know what? Things need to be perfect. And if things aren't perfect, mm-hmm. I'm not doing recovery well. And 
that was such an old idea, Andy, you know, mm -hmm. like, can we talk about that a little bit? These old ideas that pop in, like if I don't get the absolute, Hey, you know what? I'm broke, but I'm going to get a gift really that I can't afford. That's way over the top mm -hmm. because I need to prove, right? Like, yes, things yes. happen slow. Can we, can we, can we talk about the importance of that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you were saying that and it reminded me of just the stages of recovery um, that I used to talk about with my, uh, my clients is, you know, we have that, that withdrawal stage and, you know, you're, you're trying to get there, work through those symptoms. And then you've got kind of that pink cloud stage, as some people call it, you know, where, you know, you've, you've, you've gotten off, it's out of your system for the most part, and you're excited and you're motivated. And that's where we have a lot of people create these expectations of like, you know, I am going to do the best I can to never make a mistake again, to let people know that I'm serious this time. There's almost this sense of I've convinced myself that I'm going to be sober. Now I have to convince everybody else. Um, and, you know, other people want to believe it more often than not. They would like to believe that, you know, that they're already that you're already working on that genuinely. Um, but that's where people really get stuck because then you hit the wall stage. Right. It's been, you know, three to six months. You know, Again, the holidays are here. You know, maybe you don't have as much cash as you thought you would, especially in the economy, or maybe there's just yeah. too many people that you would like to give gifts to or to spend time with, or um, that gift that your kid wants, you finally are like, oh, I can kind of afford it, but that's at the risk of not having a meal. Um, and so just really remembering what's beneath that. That's a big thing is what's beneath that desire, what's beneath that perfectionistic expectation what you're really trying to do there is you're trying to communicate. I'm working on myself. I really value and appreciate you. And I'm so happy that I'm here and I'm happy that you're here. And if so, we can, if we can reframe and refocus that on what's the value below that, then that does, that's, that's perfectly done spoken or written in a card or, you know, whatever the situation is, if we can focus on like, how do I um, remind myself that that's really what I'm looking for is just, feeling that sense of, of peace and reconciliation through the holidays, then it can help us a little bit to say, well, maybe I don't have to get everybody a gift that costs money, or I don't have to go to every single event. I can make a phone call or I can write a, write out some, some cards or, you know, give someone a hug or take someone out to, to coffee. Um, and so we can refocus those expectations and moderate them when we think about what's beneath that and, and try to focus on the core of that instead of, how we might want to express that in ways that are unrealistic and that might get us trying to go too quickly, too fast. Yeah. It, you know what? I love that. It's so it's, I think this has been the hardest lesson is to acknowledge other people's expectations, you know, and, you know, I've had to do this in my own recovery. It's like, I acknowledge that this is the way that you want it to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm going to do the best I can to be able to do that. But there mm -hmm. are, there are limits. And also I have also expectations right. as well mm -hmm. that I would like to be able to do. So I think a lot of people, Andy, go through the holidays that are in recovery miserable because those, those expectations quickly turn into resentments mm -hmm. and then they're miserable. Like you're, yep. you're spending the whole holiday miserable when it really should be a joyous time. Yes. Listen, final thoughts, Andy. Um, sure. If there's people out there that are listening to this right now and they're like, man, I am dreading the holidays, whether they maybe don't even feel that they could stay sober or they know that they're going to be able to stay sober, but they feel it's like, man, this just isn't going to be good. This is just, it just sucks every year. What would be your thought to them as a therapist? 
I would say two things is look at the long-term goal and look at the short-term goal. We tend to focus on one or the other. We, we tend to focus on, I want things to be perfect now. I want to be where I want to be now. Um, and then I feel like a failure because I'm not there yet. Or the long-term of how am I going to make this happen every year? How is How am I going to do this? This is way too much. And so in the morning, reminding yourself, what do I want to accomplish just for today? What are the values that I want to remind myself just for today? What are the things that I want to do today can help you to refocus on today? And then at the end of the day, okay, I may not have gotten everything that I wanted to do today. I may not have done my best today, but in the long term, this is one step in the right direction. And so tomorrow can be um, a little bit better than today. My boyfriend says 1% better every day. And that's just a great thing to live by is what's my short term for today? And then remind myself that this is just one step in the long term. And I have every single day moving forward to work a little bit better. And hopefully that can help you to make it through the holidays and to um, either feel excited to get through it sober or to have compassion on yourself if you you struggle or you or you trip. I love that. Andy Martinez, thank you so much for coming on the Recovered Life Show. We're going to put links on how you can get in touch with Andy and sure. uh, get in touch with her with all of her social in the show notes. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much, Damon. Happy holidays. Sometimes addiction recovery can be a lonely battle, but you don't have to fight it alone. At Recovered Life, we're dedicated to helping you live your best recovered life. And that's why we're inviting you to subscribe to our free weekly newsletter. Every week, we carefully curate exclusive content from leading minds in addiction recovery, mental health, and all things important to the recovery lifestyle. Stay in the know with the latest news about addiction and get exclusive invitations to special recovery-focused events and explore insights tailored to support recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction, codependency, disordered eating, dysfunctional family dynamics, gambling, and so much more. With our newsletter, each week becomes an opportunity for growth, healing, and taking a step closer to the life you deserve. Take your first step towards a brighter future today. Go to recoveredlife.us and subscribe for free. Sign up now at recoveredlife.us. Yeah.